Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. Welcome to Marvel Vision, a podcast about Marvel, the MCU, and right now, a whole lot of news updates. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. And if you've got tips or stories you want us to cover, you can email us at comicbookclublive at gmail.com or hit us up socially at Marvel Vision Pod, wherever, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, maybe TikTok, probably not TikTok, actually. A cold letter. Yeah. Uh, You can cold call us. Just type Marvel Vision Pod into your telephone. Yeah, rotary phone. Exactly. Yeah, it doesn't work on digital phones. Mm, Good. Long week, man. Let's jump into it and talk to one. This is actually one that we got a tip about in our Patreon Slack. Didn't mention that in the beginning, but if you want to support us on Patreon, you can do that. We have lively discussions about Marvel stuff there. This was recommended by Jackie. The first five minutes of Secret Invasion, the new series from Marvel, were released online. This was released through a viral campaign where they put up a website called The Invasion Has Begun. People had to source and figure out a secret password, which they did. If you want it, I'll read it right now. It's RSD3PX5N7S, which is my locker combination. It's, it's crazy, dude. Yeah. I'm starting to suspect Scrub. You, Scrub. <laughs> Maybe. Anyway, we watched the first five minutes here, so we should probably talk about it. Uh, obviously, spoilers, though, it's online and it's everywhere now. Uh, what do you think about this? We've talked a lot about the show. We talked a lot about the tone of the show. Clearly, this was put out to be like, hey, man, this is what the show is. Check it out. Yeah. So what were your thoughts? I liked it. I like that it's a real high tension. The conversation is good. The dialogue is good. Like, I thought this is holding up the sort of rumor slash goal of this being like the Marvel's Marvel universe and or. Yeah. I, the two things that I was really struck by and for anybody who hasn't seen the scene. So it's a short scene where Martin Freeman's Everett Ross is approaching this guy. Who's a contact. The contact is going full on conspiracy theory and believes that these separate terrorist bombings have all been caused by scrolls by the end of the scene. This guy suspects, as I think the viewers are meant to suspect, that Martin Freeman is definitely a scroll as well. Um, They certainly tease, particularly recently online, I think mostly on Twitter, though a little bit on Instagram, that like people you think are in the show are maybe not in the show or not playing the same characters. So they're certainly playing with the whole like shape-changing thing a lot. Um, I agree with you. I thought that was great. I got big Mission Impossible vibes from it. I don't know if you got that as well. Uh, that's a great call because it, it's very much like Mission Impossible movies. It starts with like, hey, uh, a quick conversation I'm having. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, my God, they're very serious. And then suddenly <laughs> there's a quick little tackle in there and mm-hmm. we're off to the races. So I liked it. Yeah. The other thing that I was really impressed by and not to get too into the script of it all, but like. 
there's a lot of information that comes out in the scene. They establish what's going on with Nick Fury. They establish what Skrulls are. They establish the connection to Captain Marvel, who Everett Ross is, what's going on with S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Secret Order, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All of this stuff, they do a really fluid job of these first five minutes of, oh, if you never watched any Marvel Universe stuff before, don't worry about it. Here's what this is. Here's the concept of all these things. But it's all through the motivations of these characters. That's not an easy thing to do, and they did it really well here. No, and I agree with you. And also the um, the fact that they have really pay- are paying off the secret invasion premise here, something that – the way the scrolls were introduced um, in previous movies, mostly uh, Miss Marvel like, or Captain Marvel. Captain, the Captain way, Marvel. Sorry, Captain Marvel, yeah. The, the way they were introduced was sort of like, oh, they're not a threat. They're sort of like buddies. Mm-hmm. And the way they've really flipped that on its head and given us the real scroll sitch here that we expect from the comics, I think is really, I got real excited because that's what I wanted. And I was curious if they were using the title Secret Invasion, but not really doing Secret Invasion. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was great. But here's my one. It's not even a clip quibble, just the thing that I thought was funny about it. That dude who's talking to Martin Freeman has the darkest growliest voice I have yeah. ever heard in my entire life. It's crazy. Yeah, it's like he's speaking with a thousand conspiracy theorists <laughs> all at once. Just like, well, here's what I think. <laughs> uh, but good stuff. It got me more excited for the series. I think, you know, we're obviously doing a Marvel podcast. We're obviously in the tag for Marvel anyway. But certainly, given the past couple of years, Every individual thing has to win me back in its own way. And I yeah. love Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I was very happy about that. But I imagine part of the reason of releasing these five minutes is to be like, this is something different. This is tense. This is spy. This is twisty. They have a nice little preview at the end about Nick Fury has to go off on his own. It certainly looks to me like he commits some sort of crime or the scrolls frame yeah. him for some sort of crime. And that's why he has to take this on on his own. Uh, it's good stuff. I'm excited for the show. Agreed. And now let me ask you this sort of a more businessy public perception question. Guardians three, everyone's psyched win. Uh, Spider-Verse across the Spider-Verse, not necessarily a Marvel win, but certainly a Marvel adjacent Marvel half win mm-hmm. and a movie that's crushing right now. If this if this TV show is good, is Marvel back? Are we are we gonna put away? I can just see the headlines. Mm-hmm. If this episode hits, the first episode of Secret Invasion hits it all. Everyone's gonna be like, "How did we doubt them? We love Marvel." <laughs> I watch Multiverse of Madness. You're gonna love it. I think uh, you know there was an interesting thing, and I'm paraphrasing here because I didn't write it down. But Phil Lord and Chris Miller, who are two of the guys behind Spider Verse, talked about. That they feel like there's not superhero movie fatigue. There is every movie doing the same thing fatigue and that people yeah. are bored of the same. They didn't use this, but I saw some people commenting online about it, that they're tired of the same, like, we got to get the glowing thing to shut down the Sky Portal movie. Like, it's the yeah. same movie every single time. So as long as you give people something fresh and new and exciting from their perspective, It works. From my perspective, I think the big thing is if you care about the characters and the circumstances, it works. If it makes you feel something, it works. And that's what we got from Guardians of the Galaxy 3. That's what we got from Across the Spider-Verse. 
spy exciting thriller would be awesome and i would very into that but at its base we really do need to care about what nick fury is going to obviously we care about samuel jackson we've been watching him on screen for decades but that's going to be the trick here is if it's not just like twisty scroll stuff and like who is actually a scroll and it's all plot then i think it's still there's going to be those questions there but if it makes people's emotions feel things then we're well on the way to Marvel being back. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm a little more hesitant, I think, than you. I think, like, it would still take the Marvels to knock it out of the park. Really? Like, set things off there and not feel like an aberration. But I don't know. We'll see. Uh, that's interesting. Because the, the thing I would say, in addition to really caring about the characters, because I think, by and large, we cared about some or maybe even all of the characters in Ant-Man, but that movie uh, did not pay off sure. on that. So, like, I think on top of it, it needs to just not be an overstuffed sort of rushed story. Because mm-hmm. I think that's another way that, like, it's a, a lot of movies have been formulaic and just jammed. They're like, I'll fix this with um, another hat on top of the hat on top of the hat. And really, it, it just needs to, like, Let's have a little more confidence and just tell us tell us the one story without jamming it with so many details. And I think Secret Invasion is going to be a complex story, but maybe it won't be over jammed with uh, details and twists and turns that we don't need. Well, I think that's why it's a smart thing. Obviously, it's a plot device because they're not going to have all the people on set, but it's a smart thing to keep it focused on Nick Fury and not have, when is Captain America going to show up? When is some variation on Iron Man going to show up, even though he's dead? You know, like, where are all of these... <laughs> actors we know and love and we've talked about this before i still think they need to throw in at least one of them for that shocking surprise of oh my god it's captain america no wait it's a scroll i know this i i know it's happening yeah. we have a twist there but keeping a focus on nick fury and making a nick fury story and everything revolve around whatever he's going through that gets to what we're talking about here that gets to focusing it on character because you're focusing on a character and I like the way they sort of handle it in the um, in the trailer on the back end of the scene we were just talking about where they're like, how come you didn't call your friends? And it's they're really speaking to that complaint ahead of time. Mm-hmm. He's like, I can't trust them. And that that answer doesn't feel like a cop out. It feels like it does actually support the premise. So. Uh, Well, why don't we move on to some other news items? Obviously, very excited for Secret Invasion, and we'll be covering every episode of that as that comes out. But Across the Spider-Verse, we had a big review where we talked about the movie at length. Uh, Very excited. Loved it. The One of the quibbles that we had was the sound mix. And it sounds like people are, no pun intended, having very varying experiences here. Uh, A couple of people on our Patreon sack mentioned they're totally fine with it in the theater. I know I had problems both time I saw it. I've certainly talked to other people that have problems. Uh, but apparently this past weekend, Sony sent a updated version of Across the Spider-Verse to theaters to deal with some sound issues. They claimed that it was the, and I am quoting here, a handful of theaters, which mm. seems like a under... How much can you fit in a hand? Like, How much yeah. you fit in a hand? Three? Yes. Seven? I don't know. How big are your hands? Theaters are big, man. They're very big. Yeah, are theaters watermelons or are they um, peanuts is my question. Well, regardless, I'm glad they're doing this. I'm glad that they are sending out the updated miss. I do have questions about it. I'm curious what they're going to do there in terms of like Phil Lord posted. We talked about this on the podcast. Well, but Phil Lord posted that he was very happy with the sound mix. He was telling theaters, you got to play it at a seven, which is like 
high end of the range, but it's definitely to keep like the baseball bit and everything that's going on there. But I wonder if they messed with the sound mix in some way that's going to cause problems in a different way. What is your production take on that, Justin? <laughs> well, I'm curious because like if it was just a, th- a handful of theaters, quote unquote, or even like a couple dozen theaters, like what's the difference? Is it mm-hmm. about size of theater, arrangement of speakers? Is it about like certain dials uh, being set in certain ways? It feels like a strange thing to have it be an isolated incident uh, or incidences. But I, I mean, I thought mine was fine. Yours was problematic, and we are we're both seeing it in New York City, so it's not mm-hmm. like a regional issue. So it might truly be like turn it up a little bit, guy, uh, who's running the the sound. Well, it might be that, and this is. I feel like this was on Vulture a couple of months ago, if I remember correctly. There was a really fascinating deep dive into the problems with movie theaters, just in terms of sound mm. and picture in particular, and how you just don't have those standards there. And it's not just because people are laying down on their job. It's the things like, I think they specifically focused on picture, but they were talking about sound as well. Depending on the cameras that you have going in a movie theater, the bulbs burn out at different rates. You have to replace them. The projector you're talking about? Yeah, the projector bulbs, exactly. You have to replace them at regular rates. But people don't have the money to do it or, you know, they push it a little bit like you're supposed to replace it. I'm getting this wrong, but you're supposed to replace it every 18 months. They're doing it maybe every five years or every 10 years because it's a process. You don't have a dedicated projectionist. You have a teenager who is running around to 10 theaters and setting up everything and making everything run because it's mostly digital at this point. And it's the same thing with the sound where like one speaker is broken it's going to mess up the entire sound mix. Or if you have all of them set evenly, it's not going to play in the same way. What well, did you see it in IMAX? Spider-Verse? No, I did it the first time I saw it in Dolby, I want to say. So it should That's have been cool. good. That's a cool yeah. Uh, and then the second time I just saw it at like regular old movie theater, nothing special about it. And it was the same both times where I couldn't hear the Gwen narration really at the beginning. And the Hobie Brown stuff was unclear. There were also things where like the levels were a little different. And I will say this was not a fault of the print. But the second time when I saw it at the Empire 25, there was literally a point where the sound cut out for like two seconds. And that mm-hmm. was clearly somebody messed up at some yeah. point. Well, I'd be curious if it's maybe more like a like an IMAX where the theater or the speakers are behind the screen, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe a lot of other more modern theaters do it that way. Maybe there's just some sound or sonic interference happening with the speakers. Because mm-hmm. in most movie older movie theaters, the speakers are on the side, so they're not they're sort of not interfering with each other when they're so close together and coming at you. I feel like there's a way, and this gets into the physics of it, which I. I'm no expert on maybe the waves are just sort of canceling each other out a little bit and really messing, messing up with certain scenes. Well, this gets into a bigger topic, which I don't know if we should necessarily spend a lot of time on, but there's always a lot of talk on, uh, it specifically comes out in TV in particular being like, this show is too dark. That was talked about a lot with game of Thrones. It was talked a lot about other things and the filmmakers all shoot back saying, well, no, we filmed it the way we meant to film it. And we watched it. and It looks great. And the thing is, they are watching it on the absolute best thing possible, with the best color possible, with their settings, all of the proper things, with the sound at the best level it possibly can be. And I think it's the same thing for, like, 
movie theaters, when they're doing these screenings, they're doing it on the studio lots where they're having people who are regularly tailoring to these things because they're dealing with maniacs who would freak out if something went wrong. I am of the opinion that they should be tailoring to the consumer. And I don't mean this necessarily in terms Mm. of the final product. I do think like artists should be doing what artists are doing. When you're doing something like Spider-Verse, please do whatever you think is best with the sound, do whatever you think is best with the color, all of the stuff, like lean into your artistic stuff. But at the same time, you got to watch it in a bunch of different theaters. You can't just watch it on the studio lot. You have to watch it in like a a theater on Long Island that has a random projector that's kind of burned out and be like, does it still work? And if it doesn't, you got to do something about that because people are still seeing the movie and they're still paying to see the movie. Yeah, you got to see it at Grandma Lucy's Shit Kicker Drive-In when you can really... Have you ever had the popcorn there? It's bad. It's uh, Most of it's unpopped. And I guess I don't know if you're supposed to pop it on your own. or uh, It's just a cop. A couple of it's still teeth. on the cop. Uh, come on. That's just corn, man. Come That's on, gra- corn. Grandma. Grandma Lucy. Is that what you said? Grandma Lucy's uh, yep. shake-kicker driving. Really yes, good. There you go. Anyway, it definitely encouraged me to maybe check it out. I think it's still going to take a couple of days as we're taping, probably by this week. But You're going to watch I, I it look- again? Probably not. I, I would like to, but wow. probably, let's be honest, probably Maybe not. this is a great marketing ploy where they're like, you love the movie. Now hear all the words. <laughs> they're really holding back on it at opening weekend. Like, hold back two very important words in every movie, and it'll keep people coming back. I mean, the way movies are going, maybe they're just going to, it'll just go, and then at one point it'll just stop. The movie mm-hmm. will cut off in the middle and be like, you want more? Go back out, pay again, and come back in, we'll show you the ending. <laughs> Mobster, another five dollars for the last five minutes. Out of percent, jerks. Furious Uh, will do that. Fast and Furious will do that. Speaking of movies that may be underplayed or a little bit disappointing, Chris Hemsworth, of all people, reviewed Thor: Love and Thunder. This was an interview in GQ where he's talking about Extraction Two and a bunch of other things. But his quote was, "I think we just had too much fun. It just became too silly. It's always hard being in the center of it and having any real perspective." I love the process. It's always arrived, but you just don't know how people are going to respond. Hmm. Interesting. Like you don't hear actors criticize their movies in this way very often. And I don't know, like I like the silly parts. I want more. And I think Ragnarok was very silly as well. I think again, like so many of these other movies, too much going on in love and thunder, Mm -hmm. too much (laughs) split focus, too many stories. Yeah, I agree with you. I do think, like you said, the big thing that I took away from this was the self-reflection is always good because that allows you to be better. Chris Hemsworth clearly cares about the character of Thor. He's already said if they had the right story and they were doing it the right way, he'd want to come back. But that's the level of care that you want from an actor to be able to say, "Eh, this didn't quite work. How do we modulate it? How do we do it better the next time? Uh, The other thing that got a little play, which was totally incorrect if you read the article, but there were a bunch of articles that went up that said he was slamming Ant-Man. And he mm. very specifically, right at the top of the article, was like, I have not seen Ant-Man of the Wasp Quantumania. Like, he hasn't seen that movie. But he was saying exactly what we were talking about earlier in the podcast, that you got to keep it focused on the characters. There's so many, so many times, again, paraphrasing here, but you can do the world is ending as the stakes for it to yeah. no longer matter. It just all sorts of flattens out. So again... Good level of self-reflection from Chris Hemsworth, one of the most handsome men alive. Wow, this is a real love letter to Chris. Are you trying to, like, reach him, sir? I mean, he was in the Gentleman's Quarterly. (laughs) 
<laughs> what is your connection to that? What's your connection to He's that? He's a You're gentleman, like, and it comes out four times a year. That seems very selective to me. You really blush any time a, G- a GQ issue comes out, huh? Absolutely. Uh, here's one thing that is definitely going to make me blush if I try to put on an Apple Vision Pro, but maybe we're going to have to do that because Disney is doing some sort of partnership, not entirely clear, with Apple's new AR glasses, augmented reality glasses. And one of the things, weirdly, this is the thing that threw me that I wanted to talk about, is in the promo, when Bob Iger came out at the Apple presentation, he showed up a promo for Disney is going to be all over Apple Vision. We have a partnership with it. And they were saying things like, look, you can create the light parade from Walt Disney World on your table at home. Wouldn't that be cool? And I'm like, yeah, that would be cool. Once this thing costs $3,500, I don't want to pay for that. But the big kicker at the end of Disney's part of the promo was they were like, and you could be in What If. Ah, yeah. Everyone's favorite. Also, the one sort of main animated show I would think you'd want to put get into any of the live action. I, that was what was crazy to me. I Maybe there was contractual things or something like that, but like... Sure, I'd like, as as a co-host of a Marvel podcast, I wouldn't mind interacting with Jeffrey Wright's Watcher. That would be yeah. fun. But to the man on the street, they're going to be like, what is that? I yeah. don't know what that is. Definitely. And also, I mean, I don't know how a lot of that works also, but like, I feel like it's much easier to immerse yourself in a live action thing from a production standpoint than to have to animate the in 360 Right? Yeah. Because you have to make, you just have to shoot the world in 360 with more cameras rather than animate it. Absolutely. I I don't, it's so strange to me that they wouldn't show off like you could be part of Secret Invasion. And exactly like you're saying, they just sort of swing the camera around a little bit back and forth. You're like, oh, I'm in the scene with Samuel Jackson. Isn't that cool? So very strange. I mean, it it might have to just do with like timing where they're Mm -hmm. like, what could be something with like lower stakes project so we don't have to get all caught up in that business. But like the Vision Pro is coming out then. What if's coming out a little bit after that? We'll have a little bit of time to do it. It might just be something of uh, the most fun answer, a scheduling issue. (laughs) Uh, absolutely. I guess we'll see. I only ordered two of them just to be totally safe, not for my entire family. Um, myself oh. and my wife will try it out, and then we'll let our kids know how it goes. See, you buy one Lego Batcave, and all of a sudden you're blowing <laughs> money like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> all right, last but not least, let's go to Rumor Patrol. This is one from a couple of weeks back, but this was sent in to us by Izamati on Twitter. I wanted to know our thoughts on the rumored final casting for Fantastic Four. Now, in the two-ish weeks since this was, quote-unquote, announced by a bunch of rumor folks, all putting it out there, Marvel hasn't officially confirmed anything. It hasn't been in any of the trades or anything like that. But according to the scoopers, the Fantastic Four is Adam Driver as Mr. Fantastic, like we talked about, Margot mm-hmm. Robbie as Sue Storm, Paul Mezcal as Johnny Storm, and David Diggs as Ben Grimm, a.k.a. The Thing. If this does turn out to be the casting, which seems Pretty likely. There are people. They're around. Yeah, they are. They're they're alive and they can be in movies. What do you think about this if this is our Fantastic Four? I mean, it's it's a little they it's good. Let me just say they're it's good. I like all these people. Mar- Margot Robbie, she's doing she wasn't when did she say no? 
Does she say no? I, <laughs> I guess know. it's a kind of co- combination. She wants to work a ton and everybody wants her in their projects. And I think she's great. This is great. Uh, to V Diggs, cool. Like him. I didn't see uh, Little Mermaid, but he's he's in that, right? Yeah, I didn't see it either, but I one of the most positive things I consistently heard about the movie is David Diggs as Sebastian apparently is hilarious and great. So So that's cool. That's good. Paul Mescal. Wait, I, I just oh. want to ask about David Diggs. Do you think he'll do do you think he'll do a thing rap? Maybe? Like yeah, maybe he'll yeah, definitely. Yeah. Dan Slot, when he would come on our live show, he would always do that thing song that he wrote for his rock yeah. thing. Maybe I'll do that. Easy. Drop a beat. Yeah. Drop a absolutely. beat, Dan. Paul Mascal, take it away. Interesting. This is the real curveball to me. And like, great actor. Loved him in uh, Normal People. Mm-hmm. Great. Smoldering. Not the brash hothead that you might uh, throw in for your traditional uh, Johnny Storm. It's... The not original Fantastic Four movies, but the previous Fantastic Four movies, two iterations back, were bad. But mm-hmm. Chris Evans is who I think about 100%. when I think about Johnny Storm. He was great. Michael Chiklis is the thing was great, even if they were yeah. absolutely terrible movies. And pre Captain America, Chris Evans is one hundred percent Johnny Storm. He's jokey. He's snarky. He's funny. Yeah. Like is like. Seems a little dumb, but he pumps up the smarts when he needs to. I agree with you, Paul Bezcal. Maybe he's funny. I don't know. I haven't seen him do anything funny necessarily. No. In the last movie he did, which he's After probably going to be nominated. After Sun? Yeah. Not super Johnny Stormy, though. <laughs> and of course, I'm sure he has range. I'm sure he can do, yeah. do it if he's cast. And if he wins an Oscar for After Sun, which he very well might, because I believe because that wasn't last year. I think that was no. I think that was last year. He oh, was maybe he was, nom- he was nominated. Yeah. For, he was nominated. He's probably for. not going to win an Oscar for the Oscar that he lost. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Yeah. Right in campaign, mm-hmm. uh, but he was he was nominated. So like he's definitely like he's got a little more prestige uh, to the movie. Adam Driver coming mm-hmm. off maybe one of the worst choices of his career with sixty five, mm-hmm. uh, his dinosaur movie that I want to say made almost zero dollars. Yeah, uh, but after the people said it was schlocky and fun. Uh, I don't know. What does that, that mean? That. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Have you seen it? He was he was in Gentleman's Quarterly once. I am sorry. Yeah, I'm exactly, in the man. You're account. easy. You're easy. Yeah. Uh, uh, here's something that you had mentioned on a previous podcast, and whatever, they're actors, so they can do whatever they want. But, like, these are four people that I don't feel like have ever met each other. Yeah. That, that's the thing that's sort of holding me up a little bit. It's not that it needs to be four best friends who get cast as Fantastic Four, but I just, I can't connect these four actors together in my head. Agreed. And I would also say this reminds me of James Gunn's words about casting Superman when he's mm-hmm. like, let me take my time with it. I need someone who is good first. You need that core. And not that you can look at an actor and be like, good, that's a good person underneath there or needed to have a good person. But the idea that that's the, the thought going into the casting process and for fantastic four, I think it would be like, I need four actors that are a family. That's mm-hmm. a, the literal core driver of the fantastic four in all the best comic book runs. Everything is like, these people are different. 
they have axes to grind with between uh, uh, Sue and Reed or the thing and Reed, Johnny just being going off on his own. They have their own things, but they always come back together. And if they, these folks don't have the chemistry to read and to come together as a family in their performance, that's going to be dicey. But we'll see. Again, these are all these are four very professional actors. They might just be looking for people who can do their jobs and do their jobs well. That's been something that Marvel has pushed for years at this point is having people that like are team players. And these all do seem like team players. They're people who show up, they do their job, minimal amount of drama. Maybe they'll take Adam Driver's performance from Marriage Story and just stretch him out a little bit. Oh, that would be great. And if he digs, like maybe he'll play a crab. I don't know. Yeah, you never know. Yeah, crabs also have a hard shell, just like the thing. I guess we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll talk about this again, I'm sure, whenever there's an official announcement or not. Maybe they'll never announce the cast for Fantastic Four. We'll just have maybe a we just be a random family. Yeah, just filming a random family and then use CGI costumes on them. I think exactly. that would be great. Zephies. Folks. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for supporting our podcast. If you would like to support the patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Facebook and YouTube coming out. We would love to chat with you about Marvel stuff. Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, at Marvel Vision Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, stay marvelous. We just had too much fun today. Just became too silly. Mm. We should have really uh, focused We need to up. focus on our, on our characters is what we need mm. to do.